For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures I will arise and go forth to the house of my young I will arise and go forth to the house of my father I will arise and go forth to the house of my young House of my young Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, An Introduction to the Biblical Festivals. This is part two of the series. Now, in traditional Christianity, when you would mention the biblical festivals, probably one of the first things that's got to pop in people's minds is, oh, those are Jewish feasts. Oh, those are, you know, a part of the Old Covenant. And for them, it's for those people. We got to realize, however, that in Leviticus chapter 23, 2, it says, Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them concerning the feasts of the Jews, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocation. Even these are the feasts of the Jews which I'm commanding them to celebrate. Is that what it says? That's not what it says. But you know what? That's what we have identified in our mind and we associate in our minds that that's what it says. But that's not what it says. You know what it really says? It says speak unto the children of Israel and say to them concerning the feasts of Yahweh which you shall proclaim to be holy convocation. Even these are my feasts. It says these are the feasts of Yahweh. Now, if you would announce to all the people in tradition Christianity that Yeshua the Messiah wants to have a supper. He wants to have a celebration and he wants you to be there. You think that people will say, yes, great, we want to be there. If Yeshua is inviting us to a celebration, you think they would say, yeah, we want to be there? Guess what? He already has invited you to a celebration and guess what? Nobody wants to show up. These are his feasts and we say, no, we, I'm sorry, we, we don't want to attend your feast. We'll do our own feast. And the traditional Christianity, by the way, they do do their own feast. And so if these are the feasts of Yahweh, who is Yahweh? Who is Yahweh? These are the feasts of Yahweh. Well, once again, traditionally, when you're reading from the Hebrew Scriptures, what they call the Old Testament, most often when we read the word Lord in our Bibles, which is Yahweh in the text, we automatically write in our little religious minds with our religious pens, we write God the Father. However, we need to realize that the festivals in Leviticus 23 are fulfilled by the Messiah, by Yeshua. It's Yeshua that died on Passover. It's Yeshua that was buried on unleavened bread. It was Yeshua that resurrected at, at first fruit. It's Yeshua that's got to set his feet down on the Mount of Olives. It's Yeshua that's got to rule and reign during the Messianic era. So these are the feasts of Yeshua. He's fulfilling these feasts, not God the Father. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3, it says, Wherefore I give you to understand that no man, speaking by the Spirit of God, calls Jesus a curse. And no man 
can can say that Jesus is Lord, and if I'm reading down in Hebrew, what's the Hebrew word for Lord? It's Yahweh. No one can say that Jesus is Yahweh but by the Ruach HaKodesh. Sadly, there are increasing numbers of people in the Hebraic Messianic movement that is saying that Yeshua is not Yahweh. Well, they must throughout their Bibles, especially what Yeshua himself proclaimed and what the New Testament clearly teaches. Now, the Tanakh teaches it as well, if you have eyes to see, because Yeshua said in the volume of the book, it is written of me. But this says that in order to say that Yeshua is Yahweh, you can't do that except by the Ruach HaKodesh. The Holy Spirit reveals that Yeshua is Yahweh. So if you're coming to an understanding that he's not Yahweh, guess what? You're pursuing understanding of him through intellectualism. It is not through a heart relationship. It is not through revelation of the Ruach HaKodesh. And so in Philippians chapter 2, 9 through 11, it says, Wherefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Yeshua, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Yeshua HaMashiach is Yahweh to the glory of God the Father. How can we translate Philippians 2.11 as saying that every tongue will confess that Yeshua is Yahweh? Because Philippians 2, 9 through 11 is a quote and a reference to Isaiah chapter 45, verses 22 and 23. And what does it say in Isaiah 45, 22 and 23? It says Yahweh. And here, the writer of Philippians is taking the text in Isaiah 45, 22 and 23, applying it to Yeshua. Can he do that? Yeah, in the volume of the book, it's written of him. Yeshua said the Torah and the prophets and the Psalms speak of him. So Isaiah 45 speaks of him. So every tongue will confess that Yeshua is Yahweh to the glory of God the Father. Furthermore, when Yeshua ascended to be with his Father, he ascended from the Mount of Olives. It's recorded for us in Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 12. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Yeshua, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Where did he ascend from? Acts 1.12. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olives. So Yeshua ascended to be to his father from the mount of Olives and the angel said he's got to come back in like manner. Where is it recorded that he comes back in like manner? Or where is it recorded that he sets his feet down on the mount of Olives? It's in Zechariah chapter 14 verses 3 and 4. In verse 3 it says then shall, the Hebrew text says Yahweh, then shall Yahweh go forth and fight against those nations as he fought in the day of battle. First of all, it tells us that Yahweh fought against nations in the day of battle. You know what the day of battle is a reference to? The day when the children of Israel came out of Egypt and Pharaoh and his army drowned into the sea. That's the day of battle. Who's the one who drowned Pharaoh and his army in the sea? It was by the right hand. Your right hand, O Yahweh, has become glorious in power. Your right hand has dashed in pieces the enemy, it says in Exodus chapter 15 and verse 6. So who's the right hand, it is the Messiah. So Yahweh, the Messiah, is going to fight against those nations as he fought in the day of battle in his feet. Whose feet? The feet of yod heh vav that's fighting against the nations in the day of battle. His feet will stand that day upon the Mount of 
Olives. So therefore, when we're reading in Leviticus 23 that these are the festivals of Yahweh, even my feasts, we need to understand that this is a reference to Yeshua. In the volume of the book, it is written of me. The Torah and the prophets and the Psalms speak of him. These are the festivals of Yeshua. Since I'm a believer in Yeshua as the Messiah, and these are his festivals, they should have meaning and relevance to me. The festivals are appointed signs and seasons. Well, to look at this principle of signs and seasons, the sun and the moon in the creation of the heavens and the earth were given for signs and seasons. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 14 and in verse 16 it says, And God said, Let there be light in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons. This word seasons is the Hebrew word moed. Let them be for appointed set times, for days and for years. And God made two great lights. Look, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. And he made stars also. Now, who is the greater light? It's the Messiah. And notice when it tells us when the greater light's got to rule. He's got to rule in the day. The day. When is the day? It's the Messianic era. That's a prophecy that Messiah will rule in the Messianic era. And the lesser light to rule the night. Didn't Messiah say, occupy until I come? And he made stars also. So didn't Yahweh promise to Abraham that his descendants would be as the stars? So these stars are likened unto the people who are in covenant relationship with the God of Israel. So the sun, the greater light, is a prophetic reference to the Messiah because he is the light of the world. In John chapter 8 verse 12, Then spake Yeshua again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness. Okay, what is the find is light. Proverbs chapter 6 verse 23. It says the Torah is light. And so if you're going to not walk in darkness, what is darkness? Darkness is sin. What is sin? 1 John 3 4. Transgression of the law. So this is saying, Yeshua is saying, I am the light of the world. I am the living Torah. He that follows me will not disobey Torah. Will not walk in darkness. But he will have the light of life. What is the light of life? It says that you choose life or death. Obeying the Torah or not. And if you choose the Torah, you're choosing life. So if you choose the Torah, you know who you're choosing? The Messiah because he's the living Torah. And you will have the light of life. You will have Messiah and you'll be walking and observing his commandments. So the moon is the lesser light and the moon is likened unto the people who are in covenant relationship with the God of Israel. The moon is likened to the nation of Israel. It's likened to the house of David or it's likened unto believers in the Messiah. Psalm 89 in verse 20. I have found David my servant. With my holy oil have I anointed him. If his children forsake my Torah, if they do not walk in my judgment, if they break my statutes and keep not my commandment, then will I visit their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. If they break the Torah, they're going to suffer the consequences. Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from them. What's his loving kindness that he won't take from them? the possibility of redemption.
redemption and Messiah? What's his loving kindness that he will not take from them? The promise that they will be redeemed from the nations where they've been exiled. So even though he's going to discipline them, he will still provide a way of redemption and he ultimately will physically redeem them from the nations where they've been scattered. Because I will not suffer my faithfulness to fail. My covenant will I not break. What covenant? The covenant he made with Abraham. Nor alter the thing that is gone out of my lips. Once I have sworn by my holiness that I will not lie unto David. His seed, the seed of David, shall endure forever and his throne is the sun before me. It shall be established forever as the moon, as a faithful witness. So, the house of David, the seed of David, is likened unto the moon being a faithful witness in heaven. The people who are in covenant relationship with the God of Israel is likened unto the moon, the lesser light. Messiah said that if we walk in him, the greater light, that we have light and we're to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven in Matthew in chapter 5. Now the scriptures tells us that there's an appointed time and season for everything. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1 says to everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under the heaven. Verse 17 I said in mine heart God shall judge the righteous and the wicked for there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. Now in Deuteronomy in chapter 11 the God of Israel said that if his people would be faithful to be obedient to him to obey his voice and to keep his commandments that he would give the former and the latter rain in its proper season. Deuteronomy chapter 11 verse 8 Therefore you shall keep all the commandments that I command you this day that you may be strong and go in and possess the land where you go to possess it and that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give unto them and to their seed a land that flows with milk and honey. Verse 10 For the land where you go in to possess it's not as the land of Egypt. You see when you're a believer in the Messiah and you're walking in his ways in his kingdom the principles of his kingdom is not like the land of Egypt it's not like natural law it's not like natural reasoning because in the world there is natural cause and effect if you do certain things right naturally you'll get certain natural positive effects so you work until your hand you'll get the benefit the harvest of your toil and your sweat and your working but the land where you go to possess Deuteronomy 11.11 it's a land of hills and valleys look walk with Yeshua and the king. It's hills and it's valleys. You know, there's high points and there's low points. There's hills and valleys. And it drinks water of the rain of heaven. You see, in order to be sustained in the hills and in the valleys, you need water. And so, in order to walk in him, you need blessings from him. So, you drink water from the rain of heaven, which means when you're obedient, you get the blessing. When you're disobedient, you don't get the blessing because you're walking in spiritual law and spiritual principles and you're not walking according to the ways of Egypt, the natural order from where you came out. And so in Deuteronomy 11 verse 13 and 14 it says, It will come to pass if you will hearken diligently unto my commandment, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your 
heart, with all your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land in due season. The first rain and the latter rain that you may gather in your corn and your wine and your oil. So what's wine? Being fruitful. What's oil? The anointing. And so he will bless you with goodness and with abundance if you will be faithful unto him to diligently keep his commandments. So the festivals are to be kept in their appointed season. These are the feasts of Yahweh, even holy convocations, which you shall proclaim in their seasons. Celebrate these things at the appointed time. So Passover is to be kept in its appointed season. Exodus chapter 13, verses 8 through 10. And you shall show your son in that day, saying, This is done because of that which the Lord did for me when I came forth out of Egypt. And it shall be for a sign unto you upon your hand and for a memorial between your eyes that the Lord's Torah may be in your mouth for with a strong hand has the Lord brought you out of Egypt. So because he redeemed you from Egypt, the world's in the world system, his Torah is to be in your mouth. And you shall therefore keep this ordinance in its season. What ordinance? Passover. Keep that ordinance in its season from year to year. Numbers chapter 9 verses 2 and 3. Let the children of Israel also keep the Passover at the appointed season, the Moed, verse 3 of Numbers 9. In the fourteenth day of this month at evening you shall keep it in the appointed season, in the Moed, according to all the rites and according to all the ceremonies you shall keep it. And so once again these appointed times and seasons teach us about the Messiah. And so Passover through Sukkot, Tabernacles is going to teach us about the Messiah. Passover and the biblical festivals are to be celebrated at an appointed place. Deuteronomy chapter 16 verse 2 and verse 6. You shall therefore sacrifice the Passover under the Lord your God and of the flock and the herd in the place which the Lord will choose to place his name. But at the place which the Lord your God shall choose to place his name in, there shall you sacrifice the Passover at evening at the going down of the sun at the season that you came forth out of Egypt. So Pentecost, Shavuot, is celebrated at an appointed place. Deuteronomy 16 verses 10 and 11. And you shall keep the Feast of Weeks, Shavuot, which is Pentecost, unto the Lord your God with a tribute of a freewill offering of your hand, which you shall give unto the Lord your God according as the Lord your God has blessed you. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God you and your son and your daughter, your manservant, your maidservant, the Levite that's within your gate, the stranger, the fatherless, the widow that are among you in the place which the Lord your God has chosen to place his name there. Tabernacles is celebrated at an appointed place. Deuteronomy 16 verse 13 and verse 15 You shall observe the feast of tabernacles seven days after you've gathered in your corn and your wine. Seven days shall you keep a solemn feast unto the Lord your God in the place which the Lord will choose because the Lord your God shall bless you in all your increase and in all the works of your hands. Therefore, you shall surely rejoice. So these things will be done at an appointed place in the place where he would choose to place his name. Where is that 
place. That place is Jerusalem. Second Chronicles chapter 6, verse 6. But I've chosen Jerusalem that my name might be there. And I have chosen David to be over my people, Israel. Now, all Israelite males are commanded to celebrate the festivals in Jerusalem. Three times in a year, Deuteronomy 16, verse 16 says, shall all your males appear before the Lord your God in the place where he will choose, Jerusalem, in the Feast of Unleavened Bread, that's Passover, over season, the Feast of Weeks, that's Pentecost, the Shavuot, and in the Feast of Tabernacles, and they shall not appear before the Lord empty. So why is it that males were specifically commanded to come to the feast? Because males represent headship, and males are to play the role of being priests of their home, and to teach the Torah, and to teach their family the ways of the God of Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your might and these words which I command you this day the words that I command you this day at Mount Sinai shall be in your heart the Torah is to be in your heart and you shall teach these things diligently to your children. When are you going to tell them about the ways of the God of Israel? Well, you're to talk to them when you sit down and uh, when you walk and when you lie down and when you rise up. So when are you sitting or walking or lying down or rising up? You're supposed to do it perpetually all the time. Keep teaching your children the ways of the God of Israel. Males represent headship once again. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 22 and 23. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Messiah is the head of the congregation, and he is the Savior of the body. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. So the order of authority is Yeshua is the head of the congregation. Males are supposed to be under the authority of the Messiah. And if the males are under the authority of the Messiah, females are supposed to be under the authority of their husbands, the males. But who are the females really submitted to? If their husbands are submitted to Yeshua, who are they really submitted to? Yeshua. And then the children are to obey their parents, who their parents are obeying Yeshua and his commandments. So everything is in order. Those who live far from Jerusalem are also commanded to celebrate the feast. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 21. If the place which the Lord your God has chosen to put his name there is too far from thee, then you will kill of your herd and of your flock which the Lord has given you, as I have commanded you, and you shall eat in your gate whatsoever your soul lusts after. So if it's too far to go to Jerusalem, you're allowed to celebrate the festivals where you are at. If it is too far to go to Jerusalem. And when you celebrate, you're not to come and celebrate the feast and come before Yahweh empty-handed. Deuteronomy 16, verses 16 and 17. Three times a year shall all your males appear before the Lord your God in the place where he shall choose in the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the Feast of Weeks and the Feast of Tabernacles and they shall not appear before the Lord empty. Every man shall give as he is able according to his blessing of the Lord your God. God which he has
has given you. So these are harvest festivals and you're supposed to come and bring of your harvest. And you're supposed to come with attitude of thanksgiving unto the God of Israel for what he's given to you. You are to give back to him. Believers in Messiah are to give to the kingdom of the God of Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 18. But remember the Lord your God because it's he that gives you power to get wealth. It's not you. It's him that he may establish his covenant which he swore unto his fathers as it is this day. So he's giving you power to get wealth. He's blessed you so that his covenant can be established. Matthew 6 verse 33. Seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Yahweh says you remember me and my kingdom. I will remember you. Believers in Messiah are to give to the kingdom of the God of Israel. This is repeated in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verses 6 through 8. But I say he which sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He which sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Every man according as he has purposed in his heart so let him give. Not grudgingly. Don't give because you're forced to or the basket goes around and you feel pressured to do it or of necessity but God loves a cheerful giver. Well that's going to conclude part two of the series on the subject in introduction to the biblical festivals. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.